morning. You guys all right? Can I ask you all to stand? Come on. Now I would like you, just, if you haven't sinned this week, if that's you, take a seat. We just pray for the people who sat down. Okay, take a seat. I'm just checking. I'm just checking them in the right room. A room full of sinners. Yeah? Not that I want to focus on the sin. But it's good to know that we're kind of in the same boat, isn't it? Have I told you guys the joke about the four pastors? John, John took a deep breath and went, oh. <laughs> so there was four pastors. They're at a pastor's fraternal. If you know what a pastor's fraternal is, it's you kind of, the pastors all get together. I used to go to them in South Africa and we'd all go there and we'd encourage each other and pray for each other. And if someone was struggling, you know, we'd pray for them. And um, so there was these four pastors and... Um, they were just sharing together, spending some time. And the one pastor was, just felt, let me just be bold here. He said, guys, I know I can trust you. I know it's not going to leave the room. But I've really been struggling with um, a lady in the church. You know, she's, uh, she's in the worship team. She plays the organ. I picked the organ because no one, so you can't, <laughs> you can't imagine anybody. And, um, you know, I think she's quite a pretty lady and I've been you know so if you guys could pray for me that I could just get my thinking right and they're like oh brother yeah sure that I mean it's really good of you to have had the courage to to share that so we'll we'll pray for you and then the other pastor says wow you know if we're gonna put ourselves out there I would just like to say that um I've been having a bit of a hard time financially and um when I'm counting the collection basket, I've been, um, I've been, you know, helping myself a bit here, and uh, and they're they're like, gosh, that's that's hectic, but yeah, we'll pray for you, and and then the other pastor says, <laughs> that's not funny. He says, um, I've been struggling this week. I'll be honest with you, and uh, I was preparing communion, and. Um, I noticed, you know, it was that nice wine from Waitrose that Phil gets. And, um, and he said, and I, I know I shouldn't have, but, you know, I had a glass and then a couple of glasses and then a few more glasses. And he said, I just feel terrible, you know. And they're like, wow. Communion wine, you know. So we'll pray for you. And, um, and uh, there's no condemnation here and we'll pray for you. And then they, the fourth guy... The fourth guys, they sat there pretty quietly, and they said, um, they said, and, and brother, are you, are you all right? And he goes, yeah, I do struggle. I do struggle. They go, would you like to share? He says, yes. My biggest problem is a go- I'm a gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> now, the point is that everyone struggles with sin, right? And... Um, I'm going to touch down on that a little bit in the scriptures that I've been given to talk about (laughs) this morning. 
because we all sin. But if I do my job right today, if I do my job right today, um, we should leave here, you should leave here, I should leave here, we should all leave here knowing really how to overcome this thing which can, if we allow it to, devour us, right? I'm sure many of you have got, or I know loads of you have got testimonies, how you've seen sin come in and devour, cause damage. But, so let me just before, um, because I'm aware that some of you in the room haven't been here to hear, we're in in a series at the moment called It's All About Grace. We've been working our way through the book of Galatians, uh, six chapters. I'd really encourage you just to carry on reading it. I really would. Through your summer holidays, it's just a treasure of how to walk with God and how not to. And so what we've seen in a nutshell is Paul is writing letters. So the book of Galatians is a letter to the churches in Galatia. And basically... And in a nutshell, what Paul's saying is, and he's very frustrated, and he's very bamboozled. If you haven't heard that word for a while, have you? Bamboozled. He's bamboozled at how, if that's even a word, at how the churches there who started walking in the Spirit, so they've come to Christ, they've been set free from the law, because Christ fulfilled the law, and now they're experiencing what it is, a life in the Holy Spirit, doing life in the Holy Spirit, being led of the Holy Spirit. And now you've got these guys who've come into the church when Paul's away. And what they're trying to do is convince them that they should get back into religious practices. They're saying you should do this to get right with God and do this to get right with God. And you should be circumcised to get right with God and all these other things. And Paul's saying that is nonsense. What has bewitched you? What demonic thing has come into your thinking, what deception are you believing that you think that you can do anything to put yourself in a better position with Christ? There's nothing. He's done it for you. And you want to get back to your self-righteous works, which the Bible says is like filthy rags. Filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. Filthy rags. And anyway, they're trying to get back to religion. And Paul really doesn't like religion. I mean, Paul was one of the cleverest guys in Israel. He taught it. I was speaking to a friend of mine in the week. I see him sat there at the back. And um, I said to him, you should come to church. And our Joe says to me, I haven't got a problem with Jesus. But I bleeping, bleeping hate religion. And I think that's very true of the people out there, right? That they, they've seen what religious do, religion does, right? Keeping rules, jumping through hoops, be like us. We're, we've got our game together. We'll tell you how to do life. No one's got their life together. We're all just trusting in Jesus, aren't we? Like my wife always says, when I get cross with somebody for doing something stupid, she goes, everyone's just trying to get through life the best they can. Frustrates me a lot when she says that. (laughs) So I would like her to get angry and say, yes, you're right, my love. They are exactly like you said, but she doesn't. She's just so nice. So Paul's saying to them, 
Don't go back to religion. No one likes religion. You're free in Christ. I saw a cool thing this week. Can we just bang this up quickly? I just... So I was just... I was just hearing, you know Jesus said, you know when Jesus speaks of himself, he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, doesn't he? And I was just looking at this, so this is a picture of the tabernacle, and I'm not going to preach on the tabernacle, but I just thought this was cool and worth noting. And it's such a good illustration of the whole grace and law thing as well. So the tabernacle, when, am I sounding all right? I seem to be quite echoey, it's just me. So the tabernacle... The tent of meeting. So when they, when they came out of Egypt and they were traveling around, you've all seen the movie, you know, Moses, they bring them out of the, and they're heading into the promised land and they're going round and round because of their disobedience and grumbling, which a lot of us can do as well. And, they would, and God gave them a plan to set up a tabernacle where he would meet them physically, face to face, in the very top little bit, which is called the, maybe you can just flick it to the next day uh, slide. There you go. The, that little place at the top there is the Holy of Holies. And then this place was, was the holy place, and this was the outer court. So what would happen is you'd come in, if you've sinned in the, in, in the, in the Old Testament under the law, you'd come in and you'd, you'd come into the outer court and there'd be sacrifices made for your atonement, made for your sin to get you right with God on your behalf. So the priests would act on your behalf and take offerings and sacrifices on your behalf to make right with God on your behalf, right? And then... The priests would go into these, the holy place and the holy of holies and the holy of holies. If you went in there and you weren't right with God, you, you, you'd probably come out dead. And what I just saw this week was, I, saw, I, just, I saw it floating around on the internet. I thought, let me just study that if that's true. But in rabbinical teachings, these doorways to them all were the outer court was the way. The holy place was the truth. And the Holy of Holies was called the life. So when Jesus said, can you go to the next slide? When Jesus said in John 14, 16, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me, was a perfect blueprint illustration. How cool, how, I just, God's coolness blows my mind. Huh? But here's Jesus saying, I am all these things. And what he was saying was, you don't need a priest because of me. You don't need to come back under the law because of me. You don't have to head back to religion because of me. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now you don't have to go through, you know, I give, him, give John my offerings and he makes sacrifice on my behalf. It would probably take you a while to get me right. And that's all gone. So now I walk into the Holy of Holies like Colin McGregor. <laughs> you got nothing. Right? <laughs> nothing as in sin. Right? We're straight in. Bang. I was just looking a little bit on Martin Luther this week and the Reformation. And that's what he did. He's nailed his thesis to the door, which basically said to the Catholic Church, we don't need priests. He, read, he had a revelation. We just need Jesus. We don't need anything else. I don't need to give you all my money to you to act on my behalf. And I mean, there's great money, and that'll, that'll get us a building like that. <laughs> Not appropriate. So we're straight in, straight in. That's grace, straight in. 
Jesus did it. Straight in. We walk straight in to the Holy of Holies. Straight in. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how bad you've been this week. Doesn't matter how you spoke to your wife. You're straight in. You're in God's presence. You're in the Holy of Holies. You're in that one-on-one. You're in that. That's what God created us for. God did not create us for religion. No. Man makes religion. God created us for relationship. Number one. That's what he wants. He wants relationship. You know the, the thing with Adam and Eve, the garden, he'd come down into the evening in the cool of the eve, and he'd walk and he'd talk, and he'd fellowship with Adam. That's what God wanted from the beginning. We've made it stupid silly God created us for relationship one on one he wants he, do you know what he likes that you come to church he likes it when you help at life group he likes it when you do all these things but you know what he likes the most when you just come into his presence and talk to him as a loving dad that's what he wants it's not rocket science and Jesus he sent he, 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 in fact he put so much value on that relationship that he sent his son to be pr- pretty much butchered butchered on your behalf like I've said before I love you guys here's my son sat there next to my wife I love you guys but I'm, so, I'm not going to send him to get tortured on your behalf I'm just being honest would you do that? I mean but God because relationship with you on one on one is so valuable sending son to go through that isn't that mind blowing? can I say a cheesy line? God's not after religious nuts. He's after fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just see my kids like, oh gosh, that's so, such a dead joke. Right, let's get on to the scripture. I'll read from here. And you guys at the back, you can just track with me. So this is the, I'm reading from Galatians 5. I've blown it up because my, I don't like wearing my glasses so this way I can but I say to you it's what Paul says walk I've done this sorry I've done this this is in the amplified version if you're at home following this I've put this in the amplified I just think the amplified just expands it so well he says this but I say to you walk habitually in the Holy Spirit as habit walk with me as habit habit not oh now it's my time, I should have spent some time with God. He's not, no, habitually. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. I think if we just nailed that, I think if Christianity just nailed that, seek him, that's what Jesus said, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you in Matthew 6.33. If we just did that, walk habitually with him and be responsive to his guidance, Job done. Because everyone would get saved. (laughs) Everyone would get discipled, wouldn't it? Because that's God's heart. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds, sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God's precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit, And the desire of the spirit opposes sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other. Continually in conflict. 
so that you as believers do not always do whatever's good. Good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Okay? Because we're sons and we're in Christ. Now, the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. <clears throat> and we don't, we, don't, we don't talk a lot about sin at church anymore because it's not good to be sin-focused, is it? We want to be Jesus-focused. But it's good to be aware of the tactics of the enemy so we don't fall to them and get destroyed. I was thinking about sin. If I, the last few weeks I was thinking, how's the best way? In, in my life, not that I'm ancient yet, but in my life, what is the kind of... The best way I could explain sin, if I was explaining it to someone, maybe who didn't even need, didn't even know Jesus, I think I would say it's a thief. It steals. Its mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. I think John John ten ten. I th- I think is where it mentions that. It steals. You think of the sins, and I'm going to read them. It's part of my bit to read today. All of them are a thief. It will affect your relationships. It will affect your inheritance. It will affect your finances. It will affect your family. It will affect your children. It's got such a horrible, far-reaching... It's a thief. So we want to know how to overcome it, right? Now, the practice of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality... Okay, let's just say this, and I'm not going to get into them all individually. Sexual immorality is anything which isn't within the biblical construct of a Christian marriage. Impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, and lack of self-control. You do what you want, when you want. If it feels good, it's great. This is the, this is the new, kind of the new age thing, isn't it? If it feels good and it's not harming anyone and you're enjoying yourself, go for it. <laughs> dangerous, dangerous words. See how well that goes for you. I've tried that, it didn't go very nicely. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife. Je- I'll say another little thing here. My daughter phoned me, and she was speaking to me in the week about the whole, you know, I mentioned sorcery, and she was in a group, and they were talking about, can you listen to these magic programs, and, and, you know, Harry Potter, and, you know, half the room, half the Christian room was divided, and it's like, oh, gosh, Harry Potter, you know, all these Christian nuts saying, you know, but you know what? I had dinner with a witch. Let me just finish the sentence. When I was in, in Johannesburg, I went to visit a friend of mine, a pastor, and he said, I'm having dinner tonight. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, great. He goes, well, I'm, I'm having dinner with this. Well, she's not a witch anymore. She's come to Christ. Well, I said, oh, great. I love it. Brilliant. That, she goes, no, she was like proper full-on dark arts, sitting up at the stroke of midnight incantations, putting curses on people, people paying it. I said, yeah, great. I'm in. And I said, and I just tried to, just from that side of things and her testimony, what's, what's the deal? She said, you will not believe like things like Harry Potter, how when you're listening to them, she says, there's some of the magic in those programs we use to put curses on people. And everyone's buying their kids a Harry Potter one going, go on. Now, look, you can call me a bit of a nut. 
But I'm saying to you, you know, I said to Emma, we were just talking about it, right? And I said to her, I said, you know, when the apostles moved into these villages, the anointing of God came and they brought all their books of magic and sorcery, which was a fortune, put them in the middle of the village and set it on fire. And we're buying our kids' books on witches and wizards. What? I'm saying this because it's a thief. And I don't want your children entertaining stuff like that. I want your children finding out about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And I want your children experiencing what happens when they lay hands on kids at school. The enemy's subtle, but he's a thief. I know some of you are going to give me a hard time on the Harry Potter thing. You like Harry Potter. I've been to your houses. I've seen all the videos. I've pretended to ignore them. I've seen them there. Verse 22. I'm getting some funny looks. Let's move on. Envy. Envy. Drunkenness. Riotous behavior. And other things like these, I warn, you, I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice in such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a harsh thing, man. Will not inherit. Now, that's not talking about your salvation. Because I've said, I've said, I've said it before and I've said it again. There's nothing we can do which is going to change our position. We are saved. We have the righteousness of Christ through Jesus, through what he did on the cross. We can't work for it. We can't improve on it. It's done. When he sat down, he said it's finished. It's, when he said it's finished, he actually meant in the, real lang- in the original language, it's finished. He doesn't need your help. He's done it. But he does want you to be active with him, shoulder to the plow, doing what you're called to do, what you're gifted to do, fulfilling that. I could... I love it. But it does steal. When it says not inherit the kingdom of God, it does affect your supernatural inheritance. The kingdom of God here on earth, it has an effect on that. You'll see. It will. It will keep you away from that. I don't know if you remember, I played the Reinhardt Bonnke uh, video, and he met, and the, the whole testimony, backtracked through the messages, if not. And how he realized when he took up his ministry and he saw millions come to Christ that actually God had called another man before him to do it and he'd laid it down. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. <laughs> Try that in the traffic. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. I used to think there was many fruits, but you know what I found out in the original language this week? There's one fruit. One, Pete, just one. So I used to say, well, I'm all right at that, and I'm not all right by that. Mm, it doesn't quite work like that. We're either growing in the fruits of the Spirit... But we're not. You know? Something good to chat about at Life Group, maybe. Or maybe ask you what? No, don't ask you why. Don't ask you why. 24. And those who belong to Christ 
Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature together with all its passions. Covenant talk, who belong to Christ. I'm your God and you're my people. We're resourced to resist these things. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. We must walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, and our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, or envying one another. So how do we overcome sin? How? Well, I've listened to a lot of guys this week, (laughs) and the last couple of weeks, some great theologians, way, way cleverer than me. And they say, when a body of believers are focused on the righteousness of Christ and their position in God because of what he did on the cross, they start living in a completely different way. Because it's not right doing, it's right. It's not right doing, it's right. Jeez, tough crowd. It's right believing. When I realize that Christ has done it all for me and I'm in perfect standing with him, it makes it a lot easier to walk in the spirit. To be prompted by him, to spend time with him, to continually remind myself of the position I now have makes me feel very secure. Makes me feel very empowered. When I have a revelation of who I am in Christ and I'm in perfect standing with God, I'm not shy to step out into the supernatural inheritance that God has paved the way for me to walk in. You're either walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. There is no in-between biblically. There is no in-between. I'm kind of a nice person. You're, in the, you're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. We, I went for a run this morning with my wife. Quick one. And chuck me that bag. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 uh, I just didn't want to forget it when I left. No, I'm not joking. So I, um, I went for a run, and we were running to Bournemouth Pier and, um, with the dog, and we were running, and it was howling this morning. And the sand in our face, and I'm like, oh, this is so miserable. Anyway, we had the pier in our sights, and we're running and running. And then we turned around when we got to Bournemouth Pier, and we ran back, and the wind was behind us. And it was just like, and my wife said, I'm sure there's a biblical analogy in this. And I'm like, actually, I could use that this morning. Because when you're walking in the flesh, don't you find it feels like you're walking in mud and bitterness and forgiveness and trying to do things, trying to do things. and, And then I suddenly think, come on, Lance, get with it. Who are you in Christ? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I can smash life. Yeah? Paul gave a great illustration. I'm going to try and do this, and then we're going to close in prayer. Paul gave a great illustration, and due to time, I can't go into it. In Romans 7, I would encourage you to read it. Perfect illustration of law and grace. And he actually... Let's do a quick visual. Phil, just, just, you're going to have to move quick. Uh, that's, thank you. Scott, come stand here. Right, you stand there. I'll, do, I'll finish with this illustration. You didn't. I'm not going to hurt you. And then I need a, a pretty lady. Um, okay. Ah, I'll do the jokes. So, yeah, Kerry. Kerry, if you can, I'll use my lovely wife, obviously the prettiest lady in the room. 
Yeah? All right. So if you can come over here, just very quickly, and we're going to call Phil, just for the sake of today, Old Grumpy. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, it's your week. And what Paul's, Paul uses this illustration. It's a cool illustration. He said it was like, and he was talking about the law and grace. He talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We're dead to sin. We're alive. It's a brilliant chapter, Romans 7. And he uses the illustration of a lady who was married to a man. And it, and it, and it illustrates it as the law. And the law was never, sat, is never satisfied. He was never in the right position. There was always more to do and more to do and more to do. And, and it was like a wife. Let me, I'm paraphrasing now. Paul didn't do it quite like this. And he said, you know, it's like a wife who, who you know, this, this guy is never satisfied. It doesn't matter how beautiful, how radiant, how kind she is, he's never satisfied. We call him old grumpy guts, right? And old grumpy guts, it, he, she would get up every morning at 6 a.m., and cook him a lovely breakfast, and he st- it wasn't good enough, and the food wasn't good enough. Right? <laughs> it was never good enough. Right. <laughs> and then she would, she, would, she, would, she would love him, and this is a bit awkward because my wife, but you know, and they would have like, lovely evenings together. <laughs> that's, that's not just, we don't need to act. And, <laughs> and it would be, it would just be, it would just be, and, and he was still miserable. And he was still grumpy. And then, and then what Paul says is, and then, and then old grumpy died. Do you want to do that? Can you do a die? There you go. But old grumpy died. You can go and sit down, Phil. We've, oh, I've taken it. You stay there. And then, now she's free because she's died to the law. She died to old grumpy. The Bible says, now she's free to marry another. And so now what happens is, the wife, the wife, this is quite odd, but the, my <laughs> wife, now she's married, okay, to another, and this man, this is grace, this is Jesus, this is, this is the guy. I always thought Jesus would have a little bit more hair. It's not a It's all right, thank you. Zoom in, zoom in. That's what it feels like. And this guy, this guy, right, was the perfect husband. He was delighted. He was encouraging. He was empowering. There was no condemnation with this guy. There was freedom to fulfill what she was called to do. There was freedom to enjoy herself. There was freedom to have fun. There's all the riches of the kingdom she experienced married to this guy. And then after they went on a wonderful honeymoon, she got up the next morning at 6 o'clock, and he said, where are you going? She goes, no, I'm going to make you breakfast. And he goes, why are you making breakfast? She goes, no, because that's what I do. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to make you breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get any ideas. Are you going to do it? So, but that's the illustration that you can sit down. Thank you, uh, one and all. But that's the illustration that Paul uses. We are free from the law because of what Christ's done. We are free from the law because we've died, like we do in baptism, right? That's what we're showing the world, isn't it? We've turned our way, we've turned our back on, on our sinful nature and rebellious to God, thinking we're clever and we can do things better in our way. And we walk into that baptismal water as, a, as a, we're going to do it God's way. We're submitting to him because we know we've had a revelation 
Life's going to be a whole eternal life. Eternal life. We haven't even talked about that. We haven't got time. But it's not just about this drop in the bucket here. You best get used to walking in the Spirit because we've got a millennial. Is that the right word? Millions of years. The problem is, I think, and I've heard this said before, that a lot of Christians are still living a life married to old grumpy. We're not good enough. We need to do more. You are good enough. You are empowered, filled with the Spirit of God to walk freely, fulfilling what you're called to. I always, the Lord keeps drawing my attention to these wonderful church organs. And they're great. But they're redundant. They come to church more often than you. <laughs> They've heard more sermons than you. But they're redundant. And I think, I think statistically, statistically, there's a lot of Christians who, because they still feel they're under the law and nothing's ever good enough, they're not fulfilling their, their destiny in Christ. Do you know the sound those things could make? It's an invitation for you through grace which empowers you and sets you free and heals you and resources you. Amen?